are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Guys, Emergent Ventures AI Focus, most recent fund, $76 million fund closed in January of 2021. They've made about 14, 15 investments out of that already. Target a 1.5 million check size and a 10% equity stake and usually hold three to five million in that fund for their winners, right? That are really taking off in terms of the reserve. Uh, they got two partners today looking to scale, really focused on, again, those AI machine learning startups uh, as they look to deploy money in a smart, capital efficient way. Hey, folks, my guest today is Anupam Rastagi. He's a seasoned venture investor and his letter played a substantial role in over 20 successful technology investments globally, ranging from early to expansion stage and several larger exits. This is a little unique for the show. We rarely have investors on, but Anupam reached out and I said, you know what, let's get him on. He's early stage. He's backed some similar founders that we've backed at FounderPath. So Anupam, we're excited to have you today. How are you? Thank you for having me. Doing great. Doing great. You bet. I didn't mention this in the bio, so I should. You are now with Emergent.VC. You guys have a sector focus on AI and machine learning tools, or how would you edit that statement? Yeah, Emergent Ventures. uh, We are a six-year-old firm, seed stage, uh, first check. We lead seed rounds, AI-led SaaS across both application and infrastructure layer. And then we partner closely with founders on building out their uh, go-to-market, getting to product market fit, and then future fundraising. Yep. And help us understand sort of, I guess, last fund that you guys closed, what was the size and what's your thesis? How many portfolio companies, that sort of thing? Yeah, we are investing out of a $76 million core seed fund. And uh, we would do about 22 to 25 investments uh, per fund. And we do a fairly concentrated approach to seed investing. And uh, there's two of us general partners, and we invest the fund over, you know, three to five years. So that means that we only invest in two to three uh, deals per partner per year, which enables us to focus on uh, the ones that we've invested in, help them get to the next milestones. And how many partners are on the team today? Uh, Two of us. Two of you. Two general partners, and we have an operating partner, so three of us overall. Okay. So you're, you're, you're targeting doing something like six deals per year. That's that's right. Yeah. Okay. I always get perspective from founders, obviously, on you know the the drying up of equity markets. Getting your perspective would be valuable here. Uh, when I look at your guys' deal flow, that fund looks like closed in, on Jan first, twenty twenty one, at least publicly in the press. That's what was listed. And your guys's most aggressive or most active uh, month or quarter was back when you guys did nine deals in one quarter in twenty twenty one. How are you guys thinking about deploying capital today? Yeah, you know, sometimes the public reporting and the actual uh, events are a bit out of sync because of uh, when companies announce these rounds. I'd say vast majority of uh, pre-seed seed investments we do don't get announced uh, for a while. But yeah, I'd say we've been at pretty consistent uh, five, six, seven deals per year uh, throughout this fund. And that's what we've done uh, in the last six months. We've done three deals as well. And last year we did six deals. So we've been right on pace. And 2021 was about the same as well. So we haven't, you know, when the market is hot, we didn't really ratchet it up too much. And then in what is perceived to be a slower market, but at sea, that say it's a pretty thriving market. We've been maintaining a pace. Uh, it's mm-hmm. really about, yeah, how often we meet really high quality entrepreneurs. 
we see about I'd say 600 to 1000 deals a year so we invest in about 1% of those so whenever we see a great founder we're going to be able to invest it's an interesting statistic how do you define deal seen per year is that a formal application by a founder or do you count a casual email from another vc as seeing a deal per year yeah, I'd say the six to thousand, uh, of course, that includes a superset of everything that passes our desk. I'd say we probably spend a meaningful time with 100 to 200 of those where, you know, we take a call and do some research and do some thinking on it, uh, uh, and, and more. Uh, so, but yeah, I'd say deal scene, uh, uh is, a, is a wide term, which includes things coming in from a number of sources. I'd say the best ones are usually from a common connection, often, you know, folks have uh, their, you know, either prior bosses or colleagues or folks I work with that would know us and they would send us, you know, the mutual connect would often send us a warm intro. But yeah, we are very happy to receive cold email as well. And we receive tons of that. Uh, and then also through events and other things. Yeah. Uh, and what's average check size typically? Our average check size is about one and a half million initial check and then up to three to five million over the, you know, over the course of time. Uh, two to three million over the course of time. You're talking about taking advantage of pro ratas. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, is, we can invest more once the company's on its way. Oh, what's going on there, YouTube? Good to see you guys. Now imagine this. You love watching these interviews with SaaS founders, but imagine if we took all of the valuation data out from over 2,807 interviews I've done manually. Saves you a lot of time. Well, we've done this. We've built it into the beautiful interface inside of FounderPath. Check this out. I'll show you how you can access this in a second. But you log in, you connect your Stripe account, you see your valuation real time, you can see what it changed over the past 88 days, and even set goals for valuation this year. Now, the secret valuation is there's many different ways to value a SaaS business. So the reason you're going to see three or four different valuations inside of your FounderPath dashboard, this is all free, by the way, is because depending on who's doing the buying of your SaaS company, you're going to get a different valuation. A VC is going to pay a different valuation. Private equity firm is different. If you're going to do a minority sale, that's different. And if you sell the whole business, that's a different valuation. You can see all those when I hover over here. Right, So the teal is what a VC would pay. Yellow is what private equity. And red is if you sold the whole thing outright. Now, what's cool about this is this is not built off random data. Again, you guys hear these interviews on YouTube. All these data are built from real-time valuation data points founders share with us on the show. So traction, 1.2 million. Seed round, 3.7 raise. They sold 22% of their business. Go in here and filter by the event. Maybe you only want to see companies that have sold the whole business well, here are a bunch that have been acquired, the valuation and the multiple. Maybe you're going out right now and you're raising your seed round. Well, go in here and look at all this recent seed deals that went down, what they raised, what valuation they raised at, and what percent that they sold. There's never been a larger data set of SaaS valuations than what you can get now inside of FounderPath, and we're thrilled to bring it to you. All right, we're going to go back to the YouTube video here in a second, but if you want to check this tool out, if you want to jump in and sign up, you can check it out for free to get your valuation at this link, this link, founderpath.com forward slash products forward slash valuations. Or if you go to founderpath.com and hover over products, click on get your valuation here and go ahead and sign up to give it a whirl. Again, all that valuation data live right inside the platform. I hope to see you there. All right, let's jump back into the interview. Do, do you, inv in terms of taking advantage of your pro ratas that you earn from your seed deals, do you invest that money out of the same 76 million fund or do you have a growth fund that you've raised? 
Yeah, so we uh, can invest up to Series A from uh, the core fund, and the, we do have an opportunity fund, uh, which is for a select subset, which are scaling, at, you know, uh, for larger Series A rounds and Series B and Series C. Our product can be meaningful, uh, so we have another fund from which we can continue investing mm-hmm. uh, in a few, you know, select few. Yep, yep, yeah. So I, I want to teach founder since we've got your perspective on the podcast today. You know, if we took a one point five million average check size times your target in terms of life of the fund of 25 deals, right? And it's, you know, it's 76 million total fund. Well, 1.5 million times that 25 target deals, you know, uses what about 37.5 million of the total capital. You then obviously are reserving for the three to 5 million sort of pro rata we just discussed. I think a lot of founders, when they meet a VC, they don't know how to ask questions like, hey, Mr. or Mrs. VC, if we crush it, Right? How much are you reserving for us in the future? What are some really smart questions you hear founders ask you in terms of how you think about deploying capital into the future? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think uh, great founders are very good at uh, the discovery questions early on, and you know, when I meet a founder, I always give them a opportunity to ask questions. And uh, I'd say the right, yeah, uh, everyone should uh, know. Certainly before partnering, you know, what's the reserve strategy? How many overall deals? How many deals they're doing per year? How many deals per partner per year? How many deals does a, has the partner, uh, you know, how many boards is a partner on currently? Do they have time to spend, uh, with you? And then also I'd say the future, uh, uh, thing really comes into, I'd say, you know, everything is going fantastic. Uh, then the providers don't matter as much to founders, but oftentimes it's not very clear if things are going super fantastic or not. And they're, Especially in times like these, that becomes important to have someone who uh, can continue supporting the company. And mm-hmm. uh, also, I'd say seed has gotten deconstructed. So the, I'd say it's very rarely the case that the company just does one seed round and then goes straight to Series A. I mean, that, of course, does happen quite a lot. But in many other cases, the company end up, ends up doing a seed two or a seed extension or pre-Series A or pre-seed and seed. And uh, so in that second seed round as well, uh, we can be pretty proactive uh, where we see the company has made requisite progress and that becomes really important to keep the company going rather than having to go out to for another round before they're ready for series a what paper are you typically sitting on are you doing sort of safe or priced rounds yeah it's a combination of both so we are yeah we agnostic to that we are happy to work with whatever the founder wants to as long as yeah uh you know uh, safes are always faster and easier so we are pretty comfortable with that but yeah we do equity rounds as well what should a founder expect to pay in terms of legal fees if you're doing a priced round? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, varies a lot. There's a pretty wide range, I'd say, uh, for a three-ish million dollar round, uh, I would have seen everything from, you know, for a priced round, you know, 10K to 50K. It's a pretty wide range. I'd say it's somewhere in the 20, 25K seems to be median. Yep. And how do you, in terms of the the fund, the the money you guys spend on your legal team to redline back and forth with the founder, does that usually come out around 10, 20, 30K or how, you know, for a 1.5 million check? What does that look like on your end? Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. And do you pass? So we try and give it to in the yeah, 10, 20K or less range. Safe is, uh, you know, lower. It's closer to the 10 or lower. And then uh, equity round, if it gets more, you know, it's a more complex round with uh, other. Rights have been negotiated and other things that can get, uh, you know, and there's legal trickier. diligence and other things. Yeah, it gets trickier. Yeah. And so, do, and you obviously pass that 10, 25K cost off to the, the founders if the deal closes, they cover the legal. Yeah, I'd say that's fairly typical of, uh, yeah, venture rounds of that size. Yeah. Do you have a target percentage ownership you want with that initial check size? 
Yeah, we try and target uh, 10% where we can, again, reflecting our lead investor status. So we are pretty happy to go and form our conviction. And then often, you know, others uh, very happy. You know, there's quite a few folks that like to follow us and join rounds. Uh, but yeah, I'd say our median ownership is in the 10, 12% range. That's what we target. Okay. So, I mean, is it fair to say then if someone's looking for a valuation higher than 15 million, right? If you're writing 1.5 check to get the 10% post money, it'd be about 15 million. But if they're valuing themselves above that, they would not be a good fit for emergent because you can't hit your equity target. I'd say, yeah, we try and stay, depending on the stage and type of company, we try and stay in that 15, 20 post uh, range under that. But yeah, we have, you know, venture is a game of exceptions. So we do have, we see an exceptional founder, exceptional team, exceptional company. We have gone above that in some cases. But yeah, it. we do try to be yeah, fairly disciplined. I love that statement. Venture is a game of exceptions. Put some color on that. What are some recent exceptions you've analyzed? I'd say, you know, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, in... Across a fund, you know, we are making, let's say, 22 to 25 investments. Uh, if we had one or two or three companies that uh, were to exit for, you know, in the billions of dollars, that's what really creates returns for our own investors. So we are really gunning for that. Uh, of course, not all 22 or 25 companies will get there or even close. But we are in every company, we are looking for that ability of that company and the vision of the founder, which would get them to a potentially, a, you know, half a billion to a billion uh, type exit, 100 million ARR, let's put it that way. So, uh, so that's, so if we see something where we see, think the probability of that is higher, that's a typical company maybe has, you know, 5% prob- likelihood of getting there and we're investing. But if we see some company has more than that, so it's still low in absolute terms, but it's higher than the rest and be able to stretch. But I'd say, yeah, uh, we really do that. We try and just come in super early. We're happy to form a conviction before others, before the deal is hard, before, uh, you know, other people are able to hang their hat on but before there's a lot of numbers and we're able to the vast majority with single digit uh, million valuation. Yep. And Anupam, if you guys look at timelines, right? So from an, on average, from initial email to term sheet signed to DD done and final closing docs, what do you guys typically close in? Yeah, quite a wide range, safe rounds, pretty clean. We can do it in as little as a few days and we've done it. Uh, and then in some cases where there's complex, you know, we have quite a few cross-geography companies. So all our companies are U.S. market-focused, but we have quite a few companies that are building in places like India. We also have companies from places like, uh, you know, Europe and uh, other places. So sometimes those require more work and more legal review, and sometimes they may require changing the structure, which the founders anyway plan to do. And those could take, you know, a few months, two, three months. That's a median is probably three, four weeks. Yep. Three, four weeks. Okay. Very good. That's helpful. And then what about your source of capital? Single big LP pension fund endowment or no, you know, hundreds of, you know, smaller checks? Combination. So we have, uh, you know, a few institutions that are investors, which are bulk of the capital is from those institutions. And then we have a bunch of individuals actually who are very well placed in the enterprise space. So a number of successful founders of companies that have had good exits and then senior executives at pretty much any enterprise company you can think of. So a lot of those folks have skin in the game. And they're also a very helpful source for our founder, uh, you know, for our founder community and helping them navigate to product market fit and beyond. So, yeah, it's a combination of institutions, which has a lot of more recurring and long term and, you know, good support pillars for us. And then uh, individuals who bring a lot of operating expertise with them. What what are the negatives? So a founder listening right now talking to a potential, you know, seed lead and they learn that that funds investors are either pension funds, endowments or individual angel checks. What are the downsides to each of those kinds of groups from the founder's perspective, not from the funds perspective? I would say, uh, uh, you know, 
I don't know if that has a very meaningful uh, impact on the founder directly. The what could matter to founders is the fund being around and being prominent over time or not. So if the fund, let's say, makes in your invest in your company and then it just shuts down six months later or something like that, that's probably the worst case scenario uh, or one of the bad case scenarios. Which so I'd say as long as yeah, there's a. Uh, you know, well, what can a founder ask yeah. to try and deduce that from a VC fund? Obviously, a VC fund is not going to say we're shutting down in six months. So how can a founder can try and like ask questions around that to get a sense? Yeah, I think this is the same question that you asked. Uh, I think that's yeah, some founders ask us. And I think that's a good question to ask. Who are your you know LPs? And how do you see the future of the firm and uh, things like that? I think that's probably relevant and a good question to ask and understand. Mm-hmm. And also, I think founders often... Uh, you know, when we invest, often also speak with other founders that we are investors in, for example. So I encourage founders to do that with, you know, any fund they're looking to work with, just reach out to your networks, to other founders that the firm has invested in. And over time, uh, you know, those existing founders would probably have a sense as well of how the firm is doing and which way they're headed and how helpful they are. Last question before we wrap up. There's a lot of non-dilutive players coming on in the space like FounderPath. We share a couple founders together, which we're enjoying supporting. But how does a VC like you view a non-dilutive you know, capital partner that might already be on the balance sheet like FounderPath? I think that's great. Uh, you know, to, and it depends obviously on the specific platform, but the more non-dilutive funding that a company can get, I think that can be a good source uh, as long as the founders understand the, you know, in case it's a loan or something, you know, what's what's the payback period and uh, is the company going to be profitable or have resources enough to pay back at that time. But outside of that, uh, it makes a, you know, a ton of sense. And also I'd say, you know, venture capital is not for everyone. I'd say, in fact, for a very small percentage of founders and companies, I'd say a lot of SaaS can be built without venture capital. And should be built without venture capital. So someone could build a, you know, 30, 50, 100 million dollar worth company and own maybe 80, 90% of it between the founder group or more. And, uh, all power to them. I'd say venture capital only makes sense for a small set. And for that set also, uh, you know, non-dilutive funding between rounds or after a round can really help enhance what they can do with the capital that they've raised in the form of equity. Anupam, on that note, let's wrap up here with the famous five rapid fire. Number one, favorite book. I'd say if I had to pick one, I'd say uh, Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Can't be a portfolio company. Uh, I'd say, uh, uh, I'd say, yes, Mark Benioff. You know, Salesforce has done really well through all kinds of different times, and uh, including recent time where they've managed to really reflect with the times, and you know, they've really weaved in a lot of acquisitions really well, and. Uh, you know, when it's about growth, they've been growing. And then uh, when efficiency, they've really moved the needle very fast on that. Number three, what's your favorite online tool uh, for, you know, let's say for analyzing software companies? Do you guys use any online tools? I'd say it has to be chat GPD right now. Uh, I, I think any sector, new se- sector or understanding, of course, the information on it is outdated, but there's a lot of other LLMs out there now. But that's a really useful t- tool to get started on researching something. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I try and aim for six and a half to seven, at least. All right, that's good in situation. Married, single kids? Um, married, I have a you know daughter in middle school. That's great. And how old are you? I'm in my you know early 40s. Early 40s, great. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20? Uh, you know, the I'd say... 
taking good notes <laughs> supporting mm-hmm. one but it's really useful uh, but uh, you know uh, now there's very little that you remember from that time but yeah if you're taking good notes i think you can compound faster so I, that's something i started doing maybe in my 30s but if i started in my 20s maybe i would have uh, yeah you know been able to learn things i learned in 10 years and 5 Guys, Emergent Ventures AI Focus most recent fund, $76 million fund closed in January of 2021. They've made about 14, 15 investments out of that already. Target a 1.5 million check size and a 10% equity stake and usually hold three to five million in that fund for their winners, right? That are really taking off in terms of the reserve. Uh, they got two partners today looking to scale, really focused on, again, those AI machine learning startups uh, as they look to deploy money in a smart, capital efficient way. Anupam, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan. One more thing before you go. We have a brand new show every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central. It's called Shark Tank for SaaS. We call it Deal or Bust. One founder comes on, three hungry buyers. They try and do a deal live, and the founder shares back-end dashboards, their expenses, their revenue, ARPU, CAC, LTV, you name it, they share it. And the buyers try and make a deal live. It is fun to watch every Thursday, 1 p.m. Central. Additionally, remember, these recorded founder interviews go live. We release them here on YouTube every day at 2 p.m. Central. To make sure you don't miss any of that, make sure you click the subscribe button below here on YouTube, the big red button, and then click the little bell notification to make sure you get notifications when we do go live. I wouldn't want you to miss breaking news in the SaaS world, whether it's an acquisition, a big fundraise, a big sale, a big profitability statement, or something else. I don't want you to miss it. Additionally, if you want to take this conversation deeper and further, we have by far the largest private Slack community for B2B SaaS founders. You want to get in there. We've probably talked about your tool if you're running a company or your firm if you're investing. You can go in there and quickly search and see what people are saying. Sign up for that at nathanlacka.com forward slash slack. In the meantime, I'm hanging out with you here on YouTube. I'll be in the comments for the next 30 minutes. Feel free to let me know what you thought about this episode. And if you enjoyed it, click the thumbs up. We get a lot of haters that are mad at how aggressive I am on these shows, but I do it so that we can all learn. We have to counter those people. We got to push them away. Click the thumbs up below to counter them and know that I appreciate your guys' support. All right. I'll be in the comments. See ya.